Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 329. I am Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. You may know me from my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. This is my podcast. I've been doing it for about seven years now. It used to be called I Seem Fun. Now it's called Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman, where I talk about off the top of my head. No jokes. Could be funny, but there's not pre-written jokes about what's going on with me this week in my head, in my world, in the world. And hope you enjoy it. If you're already a regular listener, thank you. And if you want to join my Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, one N and Jen. And for only five bucks a month, you can get all four episodes every month as a video, as well as a 20-minute extra bonus audio episode every month, as well as surprise bonuses that I throw at you. And uh, there's new content at every tier level, whether it's five, 10, 15, 20, 25 dollars. With each level, you get more and more content and um, exclusive merchandise. So there you go. Anyway, hi, everybody. I'm filming this and looking. I want to look at the camera, but it seems strange that when I look at myself, that's not the camera. So I have to look. It's weird. Maybe it's not weird. Maybe it's Maybelline. All right. I know you guys don't want to talk about Corona, but <laughs> we're on a lockdown, sort of. And that's what's going on. So there will be some talk of it, but again, not in a way that's going to stress you out. Um, what's going on with me? It's day... I started self-quarantining on Friday, March 13th. The last time I went out in public was Thursday night, March 12th. So how long has that been? 15 days? It's um, Saturday, the 28th, I think, as I record this. So 
Oh, what are we going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about how I thought that Chris Elliott in Schitt's Creek looks hot and people on Twitter really pissed me off and I, I had a breakdown. Um, update from my mom on how she's yelling at people who aren't social distancing. I have an article that says 100 things to do during Corona. I won't read all 100, but I'll tell you the dumbest ones. And listener emails about your anxiety. All good stuff. And we're going to talk about the Brady Bunch. I know what? All kinds of random things happening today on Having Funlessness. I might rant a little bit about, oh, something. I don't know. I don't know what. I, I, I made a note to myself. Of course, I can't find it. But stay tuned if you want to hear about those things. And whatever pops into my head as I'm sitting here because you know how that happens. Um, oh, and how Twitter is just remains the worst. Somebody told their story of their boyfriend almost dying of corona and someone of course just picked it apart like well not everyone can this and some people don't have toilet paper <laughs> like shut up i love so i got to tell you one way i get rid of stress is like hating on people um just in my own head like i don't write to them but um okay so where do we begin i don't even know where to begin um I'll start with, okay, so I'm, I'm working on a show right now. I've got a couple more weeks left of work and then, well, you know, I was going to say, I feel very calm because I've been on writing jobs since December and I hadn't worked for 14 months. And so I had my own personal <laughs> pandemic last year when I went through a, a good portion of my savings that I didn't think I was going to have to live off of. Um, would have been fun to do something else with that savings. Like, I don't know invest in maybe filming a special with my own money or someday putting a down payment on a house. But I lived off it because uh, my touring was just not that lucrative last year and I lost some money on tour and couldn't find writing work. And then everything sort of just came through for me the last couple months of 2019, which was a miracle. And I've been working, which is great, but I've been building back what I lost. Um, so, which is fine, you know, that's life. And but this Patreon I'd been putting in place since December. Uh, I just didn't have time to, to really work on it. But I was working behind the scenes with the Patreon people, whatever. It just happened to launch March 1st. People are just happening to find out about it right now. Uh, one person uh, suggested that I give all my money from this to Meals on Wheels and that I should get with the Times. And it really bothers me that my so-called fans police my finances. Like, you can see where I am. I'm in a two-bedroom apartment. I probably have more money than some people, but not a lot of people my age. Um, I do need to live on any Patreon money. Um, the All the merchandise that you guys get is paid for by me, so it, it kind of like breaks even. That's why in order to get merchandise, you have to be a member for three months, whatever. So the Patreon, uh, once this job ends, I'm canceling gigs in April, May, and June, probably. And uh, who knows after that? Um, and so I am using this as part of my income. I'm not off buying shoes. Um, and so, and I do give to charity in my own life anyway. There's certain times a year that I do. There's certain things I do. And uh, of course, I'm, I have people in my life, if they need help, I'll throw them some money. And so that I'm kind of focusing on actual real things tangible in front of me right now, like people I know or businesses in my community and, and all that. So I, I don't know why anyone assumes that I'm like getting rich off people 
Like people asked me, do a Patreon. I'd love to pay for it. Um, so it, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer. I, so I have to apologize to my video people. I just hit record six minutes in. That's all you missed. Um, I don't want to start the whole podcast over just because I forgot to hit record. So I apologize. You didn't miss much. I was just telling everyone what the episode's going to be about today. Um, and I was just on a rant that, uh, one of my followers uh, said I should give all this money to Meals on Wheels. And I was just explaining that, um, I actually can't do that. Um, and so anyway, but it's funny. It's like all these like guys I know that are no longer my friends, not because I made the choice, but a lot of my Bernie Sanders comedian guy friends who stopped talking to me, unfollowed me on Twitter. It ranged from unfollowed me on Twitter to stop talking to me to were straight up sending their minions out to harass me. Um, they're all millionaires. They got millionaire status from like TV shows that they're TV shows, who TV shows that they're on and star in or popular podcasts that got really successful, like literally millionaires or very close to it, owning homes, doing this, like careers booming. And I'm like sitting there last year, like career sucking, not rich at all. And I'm like, why am I being policed? Like you're all like people who do that. You always have the wrong fucking people. You know, it's always like eat the rich and you think you know who the rich are. Meanwhile, the rich are the people you're paying to see their popular podcast or you see they have their own TV show. Like you don't think what? I don't get it. <sighs> and there's nothing wrong with being, I'm not, a, they sh- should be rich. The point is that they were sending their followers after me because I voted for the Democratic nominee last year instead of sitting it out. And right now we have a pandemic and our president won't fund some states and people are dying. So I'm pretty proud of myself for voting actively against him and not just sitting out the vote. And if that makes me a rich bitch, neoliberal corporatist, whatever, great. I just think that too many white men think they're having a revolution and all they're doing is fucking over everyone else. Um, I'm just not impressed with people who I, I can't. I can't. Okay. Okay. We're not going to do that, but you can see I'm getting a little stir crazy. Like I am someone who can stay at home for a long periods of time, but it is true. I usually have some kind of like release where it's like I do see a friend then I might stay home for three more days, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting a little cranky. So, um, oh God, I haven't even had PMS yet during a pandemic. Woo! Watch out. Um, so, okay. So I'm working this job. That was the whole point of what I was saying working this job and, you know, I want to do a good job so badly that I don't have any spare time in my head. They are not making me work 12 hours a day. I just always am thinking about the show because I want to come up with ideas. And anytime I'm doing, and it's actually counterproductive to coming up with ideas that I think I have to sit there and come up with ideas. Like, live your life and ideas just come. I, that's how I've always worked my creativity, but I have a bunch of ideas. Um, I don't know why I'm being vague. I'm writing on the kids in the hall reboot, but I have a bunch of ideas. And so I'll kind of sit with them every night and think, how can I make this into a sketch? Could I craft this? Could I do that? And look, they're not relying on me to make this reboot go like I'm one cog in the wheel and it's fine. I'm contributing. It's fine. But I take it really seriously and I just don't want to 
pitch bad stuff or write bad stuff or be seen as someone who's not funny. And it's really hard to do a TV show over that Zoom app that everyone's doing or, you know, it's like, it's not the same when you get to collaborate with people in person. And so for me, I'm just having a little trouble relaxing when, um, when we're not on the video call or when whatever. So I'm always like thinking about that. And so I've had a hard time watching things that aren't old episodes of Kids in the Hall because I just like want the voice in my head constantly. But it's like I've rewatched all five seasons like 70 times. Like I can't have it more in my head if it's not there right now. It's not there. So I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll allow myself to enjoy my life and watch a little bit of Shit's Creek because I'd never seen it. And I know a lot of people loved it, but it was just that perfect time in a show's life where people are done like talking about every five minutes. So I didn't have this big hype or like right now, everyone's talking about Tiger King. I'm not watching it right now because of that. I'm not trying to be contrarian. It's just going to harm my enjoyment of it. And I'm also not overly interested, like just seeing the guy's outfit with the tiger. I'm like that, that what I just saw, I enjoy that. I don't need more of that. And then someone was like, it's kind of like, has an animal abuse. Give me some animal abuse vibes. That's how I feel about 90 Day Fiance. It's not funny to me. It seems like human trafficking. (laughs) Something about it. And I'm not trying to be superior to anyone who watches that because um, I I wish I could enjoy it. I just, it's hitting me wrong. So anyway, um, start watching Schitt's Creek. I think it's a delight. I think... um, is it Catherine O'Hara? It's not Kathleen, Catherine. I'm a hundred and losing my mind. I had a friend the other day. He was telling me, and just in case you don't think I'm social distancing, we were, we were, um, talking over like voice. I love to talk to people over voice memos, this app called Voxer. It's my favorite thing. So he was leaving me this message. He's like, you know, Justin Bateman. And I was like, it's not Justin Bateman. It's Justine. I mean, it's Jason and Justine. And he was like, I think my entire life, I thought it was Justin and Justine, like my entire life. And so anyway, um, I thought he was having like an old person moment, but I might be having one. So anyway, I've never seen her better. It's so funny. I love the show, but I didn't know who was in it. I wasn't thinking about it. And then the first scene that Chris Elliott was in, I went, he looks good. No, I hate when people say this for his age. He just had this kind of weathered look. He's got really nice blue eyes. And I think he is wearing a wig, but he looked good with some hair. And his character was just wearing this big leather watch, was just a really cool looking accessory. And I just thought, that's like a cool, like he looks good. If I were, how old is Chris Elliott? Maybe 60? I don't know if I had a 60 year old husband when I'm 60, who's kind of rocking like some stubble and has got nice, um, blue eyes and some like leather stuff. Yeah, looks good. I, I was, that's it. I didn't know anything about his, oh, he's 59. Yeah. I didn't know anything about his character yet. I just thought he had that kind of cool seventies dirt bag look, you know? And so I tweeted Chris Elliott looking sexy on Schitt's Creek discuss. And I, what happened after that really pissed me off. First of all, I'm not far enough into the show yet. I I guess I am now. Like, I think he's kind of a womanizer or something, but that wasn't talking about the pathology of him. And I don't like people like that. I've never, maybe I dated one womanizer and it 
once I realized it, I was like, ugh, you know, um, I don't have that. Yeah. Anyway, so people were like, oh, that makes so much sense about you. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, can't anyone enjoy other people's crushes for them? It reminds me of the time I saw Steve Buscemi and his skin was like a baby, a baby China doll. I mean, it's beautiful. You've never seen such good skin. I've never seen it on a woman after a facial. I've never even seen it on a baby. A baby looks like a piece of sandpaper next to Steve Buscemi's beautiful skin. I saw him coming out of a dry cleaner and I was shook. And I think he's adorable and has kind of a hotness to him too. Obviously, I like an offbeat looking guy. Do I appreciate a handsome guy? You betcha. Brad Pitt looks great. But these other guys, they'll, they'll make me turn my head. So I'm so sick of being shamed. Now, don't get all excited, ugly guys. It's got to be a certain look. <laughs> it's got... <laughs> oh, horrible. But you know what I mean. I have my own very specific kind of look that I like, right? And so I just get so mad when people get so, because these are people that if you, oh my God, the people commenting are woke and young and let's, you know, diverse. And why is the last bastion of being kind is like ageism and like people don't look good. So some people were like reading way too into it and thought I like problematic men who cheat on people. And I didn't even get that far in the show yet. Then someone else said, uh, and that was so funny is all these people were saying, I don't know about that. Or you've been in quarantine too long. And these are people, they husbands is ugly. I want to make, have you looked at your husband? This is a character on a show that's supposed to have a certain aesthetic. I responded to it. You're worried about me. I've been in quarantine too long. Now, maybe the way I'm reacting is because I've been in quarantine too long, but you, you married Look at you. What do they love is blind. Love is blind. They look at their husbands and they're like that poor Jen Kirkman single in quarantine things. Chris Elliott looks hot. <laughs> oh, ladies, you don't know what I see. <laughs> you don't see what I see and I don't see what you see. So anyway, it is always amazing. Oh God. It's ugh. anyway, I was so mad. I just went on a Twitter tear and I said, You know, all you people who think you're so fucking woke, you're shaming a woman for who she's attracted to. And that's happened to me my whole life. Everybody always called me gay in a pejorative way because I liked these short little guys. I'm short. I actually never had that thing as a woman where I want a guy to be bigger than me so I feel small. No, I always think I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm huge. I've always had like ballet dancer energy that way, (laughs) you know, like body dysmorphia. I, I don't want a guy taller than me. It hurts my neck. I don't actually feel that safe and comfortable with these like big, big, big guys. Um, nothing wrong with it, but this is not for me. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it also, I grew up in the seventies. Like I'm looking at David Cassidy, Led Zeppelin, like skinny people with the feathered hair. I mean, look at my hair. If you're on the video, I have the hair of like the men I used to see growing up. I, I don't know. I don't know how to, it's just in my DNA. I mean, for fuck's sake, but it really bothers me. I don't know why it hits at this core thing. That's like, you know, you people and all of your wokeness and all of your whatever, and I'm gender fluid and I'm this like, fuck off. If you have to make fun of someone and, and be lookist. I mean, that's mean to men. What are you doing? Oh, it was pissing me off because truly I feel like, I don't know. I just, I don't have words for why it bothered me, but 
I think people can be so caught up in looks that I remember when I got out of a relationship with someone that people did not think was attractive. One of my friends who I don't talk to anymore didn't take it seriously, even though we'd been together like five years and I was devastated because she didn't think he was attractive. She's like, finally, go get a hot guy. And I was like, um, no, that, no, I'm in pain right now. Like I'm, please don't talk to me like that, you know? And, uh, so yeah, there's always this analyzing, like, why, why, why don't you think you deserve a handsome man? It's like, I deserve, everyone should be in love with me. Handsome, ugly, uh, they should not tell me about it because it's annoying. Everyone's in my DMs. What's ha- Who is telling men to take a chance right now? Listen to me. I think uh, this is the irony of my life. Like this is probably when I would meet my next husband is during a quarantine. Like because everything that happens to me is always a little bit quirky. And I'm not trying to be like, my life should be a show. I mean, it should. But So I get that people are dating online now and just having phone conversations and FaceTime chats. And I think it's the dorbs schmadorbs. I think that is like the way to go. If I were a, a, had a kid or a, a, a younger sister or a friend even who was like, well, now I can't date, I would suggest this. But that you've got to do that with other people on the dating apps that signed up to date. I'm not on those. I'm not looking right now. I'm all good. Thank you. Um, and I'm getting DMs from dudes like, when this is all over, we should meet for a drink. No, we shouldn't actually. We should never meet for a drink. You're a stranger on the internet who's a fan of mine that's fucking weird. Like, bye. Eh, nope. And it just, it just annoys me. Like, go to an app and meet someone. Because you can't like someone you don't know. You can say, oh, I think that she would be my type. Her hair is great. Or, you know, she seems to be interested in the same things as me. I get it. But you don't know me. And you don't. It, like, it's just not normal. Um, or maybe it's normal to have a crush on a performer, of course, but to reach out to them and actually not think that that's, would make a woman wildly uncomfortable. It's just, it unfortunately can't happen. Now, um, you could do some elaborate ruse where you never write me and then you become friends with my friends and we mutually meet at an art gallery and you never tell me that you were a fan of mine. That'd be great. (laughs) That's not happening either because I'm not looking. But um, it's so weird. And and people just need help. Somebody DM'd me, please save my marriage. And I said, I'm a, first of all, divorced comedian. I'm a comedian. I think you should go to therapy if you want to save your marriage. No, you have to take this seriously. I said, I don't actually. Please stop writing me or or I'll block you, (laughs) Jen. Mother Teresa here, helping others. And he said, "Um, my girlfriend lives long distance and and." in LA and I don't, and I said, again, or my wife, I said, I can't help you. He said, she left me and how do I win her back? I said, okay, this is, the problem is you don't win someone back who doesn't want to be with you and you respect her and you don't ask a comedian for advice. If she knew that you were asking a comedian on DM on Instagram for advice, she would not think that you are a serious person or taking the relationship seriously. I said, go get professional help. This is so inappropriate. If you write me back, I will block you. And I just deleted the whole thing. I don't normally answer DMs anymore, but <laughs> every once in a while, I just feel like I have to set people straight like a chiropractor. I just have to <laughs> your spine. Get the fuck out of here. Go. What? People are lost. People are lost. Um, the last thing I'll say about Chris Elliott is also... Uh, and then people start going, what about in this movie? What about in that? No, I just said, I'm finding, for the first time, finding him attractive in 
this show Shit's Creek. Bye. It's like, it's so simple. We don't have to analyze. It's so simple. Twitter used to be fun, you guys. Oh my God. I don't know. And I hate to blame young people, but it used to just be Gen X people in like 2009 to 2012. And then all these people came on and irony went out the window and everyone was so serious about everything. Ah, I can't take, then all the politicians got on. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Then Gen X lost their minds. I mean, I can't take it. Why am I on that stupid thing? To advertise shows? There ain't no shows right now. Oh, I wish you had the video subscription because I am smiling my head off. I'm not really angry. I'm not really ranting. It's just kind of how I do the comedy. Anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, so, um, oh shit, the thing I need to look at is on my phone and that's what I'm using to tape this. Well, it doesn't matter. I kind of remembered it anyway. So, um, I, so I don't even have a soft spot for Chris Elliott. I, I, but if I did, it would be this moment. I may have mentioned it on the podcast before, but so long ago that I'll mention it again. Years ago, 10 years ago, had to have been 10 years ago, 35. Yeah. I know I look young for my age. I looked even young. When I was 35, I looked like a baby, chubby cheeks, just like me. And uh, I probably looked 25 when I was 35, except the bad year when I was very unhappy. And then I looked, I don't CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Even know what I looked like kind of a zombie. So anyway, um, what happened? Oh, I, uh, went to an audition. I don't even know what it was for if the show ever ended up happening, but it, the role was to play Chris Elliott's wife. Now, when I say audition, again, let me remind you people, hundreds of people go out for auditions for one part. It wasn't down to the wire and I almost got the part. No, 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 no. But some auditions, if it's, you know, say it's a comedian's show, like it was Chris's show. They're at, usually when you go on an audition, it's just the casting director and the actors and the people that run the TV show. They don't even know who's coming in. They didn't ask for you. They hire a casting director and they say, okay, we need this type. She has to be this tall and, you know, someone funny and someone this and that. And they're like, we'll find some people and they round up a bunch of actors and they have auditions and they tape it and they send the tapes of their favorite ones. The casting directors do on to the producers of the TV show. And from there, the producers sit and watch all the tapes. I've actually done this when I did my Netflix specials because I hired actors for both specials to do these sketches and I hired casting directors and I got to watch tapes. It was kind of fun. It's kind of fun to write something and know how you hear it in your head and see people audition and some people just take it a totally another way, which isn't wrong. It's just not what I wanted. And there's been times when I went, oh, but the way they're doing it, that, that is the way it should be done. I was wrong the way I was hearing it in my head. That, yep, they've turned me around. I'm hiring them. Or because they weren't doing it the way I wanted, I was like, no. And, uh, and then sometimes someone comes in and just reads it exactly as though they... They just get it. So anyway, 
that's the little process that it goes through. Then if you get a call back, they'll say you're getting called back to producers. And so then you go back in and casting directors there. And now the producers of the show are there. And if you are, again, it's a comedian with your own TV show, you are one of the producers. And so you'll be there. Um, so this was not a callback to producers. Sometimes they'll say casting on tape with producers in the room. So some people, sounds like a Chris Elliott, did want to be there for every um, part of the audition process. Now, that doesn't mean there's some amazing down-to-earth person and people who just look at tapes are assholes. It's it's just some people prefer that way. Some people can't get a vibe of someone on a tape. So anyway, I went in and I went into the room and I, I didn't think I knew he was going to be there. And I went, oh, hey. And, you know, of course, I've been a fan of his forever, you know, cabin boy and all that stuff and seeing him on Letterman growing up and blah, blah, blah. So um, I, you know, was excited to meet him and just played it cool, was normal. And I started to read with him and he just seemed a little off. And then that was it. It went well. And then I left and everyone was like, great job, Jen. Good to see you again. You know, you know, these casting directors, you see them all the time. So he comes out and kind of like, not runs down the hall, but he, I've been walking down the hall. He's like, Jen. And I turn around, he goes, Hey, that was really great. It was so nice to meet you. I didn't know of your work before or whatever. Um, he said, but you, you look way too young to play my wife. How old are you? And I said, 35. He goes, Oh, well you look a lot younger. I go, I know. And he goes, yeah, I would never have asked them to have like such a young looking person come in because that would be disgusting. And I said, yeah, yeah. Cause there are those auditions I've gone on where it's like, you're going to play, you know, I don't know, Jackie Mason's wife. And I'm like, I am really, um, because he's 70, but he kind of wanted to make it known that he's not one of these guys that's like, I'm in my fifties, my wife's in her thirties. And we just act like we're the same age because God forbid I'd be with a woman my age in my sitcom. So I thought that was really cool that he was thinking along those lines and wanted to express that to me. So good on you, Chris Elliott. And you look good in Schitt's Creek and everyone online is a, I don't even know what needs to calm the fuck down. So I get an email from my favorite hotel. Well, it's not my favorite hotel, but this this uh, boutique hotel chain that I stay in across the country. They they email me their New York location, one of their New York locations, and they say, "Yeah, so we're just gonna cancel your reservation for May seventh through ninth. Um, you know, coronavirus, coronavirus. Hope you come back when this is all over." And I was like, "Whoa, they already know that May seventh through ninth, they're going to be closed." They, they closed down a couple of days ago. And I was like, wow, not that I wasn't taking this seriously. I, I'd read that, um, you know, we're worse off than China was at a certain point or same. And China was on lockdown for eight weeks. And, you know, we, we will be at least eight weeks, even if the government doesn't tell us to. I'm going to take it upon myself to quarantine for six more weeks. I, what I'm worried about is I'm so used to this now and I'm so paranoid because we don't, I, I still don't think we have enough information about anything. And I, I just assume that it's in the air more than we think and it's on surfaces more than we think. And so, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that 
we're not getting the supplies we need and the help we need and the economy's tanking. And even liberals are being stupid about this and saying, we have to get back to work. We're not all rich. It's like, yeah, I know. But we're, people are going to die. So like, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be fucked financially. And shit's really bad. And people are going to die if you don't let that happen to yourself. Like, I fucking hate to say it, but I'm part of it too, you guys. We can't just all go back to work without knowing if we have the antibodies for it, if we had it and we're immune. Like, that's what South Korea is doing is people are getting tests to see if they ever had it. And then those people are allowed to go back out into the world. We're not going to be that organized. It's going to be a shit show. And I'm sorry to make anyone anxious, but that's just how I see it right now. And so what I'm worried about, and I'm, God, even friends of mine are not social distancing. They're hanging out with each other. They're like, oh no, we're being six feet away though. And it's only us like in our homes. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? So I, I have a feeling, and I was reading this article in the New York Times about how it's going to go. You know, eventually a portion of the population will get back to work people will get sick again. And there's going to be two or three more waves of this virus really kicking it up a notch. And there will be more rounds of social distancing and quarantine. It'll kind of be the way we're living on and off all year. But that it's not going to be this thing where it's contained. Everyone get back out there. It's going to be cycles. And as someone whose job for the rest of the year is flying to different cities to be in rooms with 300 people, I don't, I can't, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I'm going to be so scared of getting this. Like I'm, I mean, everyone's scared of getting it, but you know, my asthma stuff, it scares the shit out of me. So I don't, I might not do the rest of my tour this year because I'm taking it seriously and I don't see a lot of other people doing so. And so anyway, whatever, but that's, that's, what's interesting to me is that people who've never been alone with their thoughts for two weeks are calling. I'm checking in. I'm checking in. There was such a front loading of checking in and zoom parties on day five. I was like, you people are going to blow your fucking load. And then what's going to happen when people with actual like lifelong anxiety, see people like me with anxiety disorders, I'm not anxious now at this point. I'm, I'm paranoid. I don't want to get sick. And I've certainly thought I was sick 75 times and it's been really upsetting, but the kind of everyday anxiety people feel just about being home and just about this and that, I'm not going to feel that until things start to normalize and not everybody is as cautious as me and not everybody is as disturbed as me. And I have to go back out in the world with careless people and the anxiety, the social anxiety of wearing a mask and gloves when no one else is. The, it, 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 that's when you're going to need to check in on me, friends of mine, because I'm not feeling the anxiety now. I'm happy to have you check in because you need to talk, but I would say that people with like the anxiety always, th- this is how our minds work, you know? So anyway, but anyway, so the club, so I was supposed to do these shows at Caroline's May 7th through 9th. I mean, New York is, is the hotbed of this whole thing and I'm not going to fly in there no offense and I certainly don't think people will still be out I think New York will still probably be in a lockdown then I, I hope so and even if it's not it's like well I'm gonna come the day after like first day it opens I'm here <laughs> I don't think so so um and also like who's gonna have any money to go it's just a, it's a disaster so I'm I'm most likely canceling those Caroline's shows now if you bought tickets I don't do any of the ticketing Caroline's does it my agent is 
getting into it with them, obviously you get a refund. It's just one of those things where if they reschedule me, oh, she's coming December 2nd. Instead, you can not get a refund and just have tickets for that date, or you can get a refund. It's, it's up to you, but of course you get a refund. Um, but I just have nothing to do with it. And I haven't told the club I'm a for sure. No. And they still might not even be open anyway. It might be moot, but, um, you know, I'm going to maybe have to, and I have a show in June in Spokane, Washington. I don't feel comfortable going to that either. So I'm probably going to cancel that. Um, I don't think they'll be happy about it if they're open, but there's lots of comedians who don't care and aren't scared of this. Now, if I got that damn test and found out, oh, no, you already have it, you're immune, and you can't spread it either, like, I'd be like, great, I'll go anywhere, you know, invincible. But then I get nervous. Is that test really good? You know, I, n- neurosis, neurosis, right? So <clears throat> just stay tuned. Um, you know, my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, go to Kirkmail. I sent out a little Kirkmail last week and told people if they have any anxiety and they need to vent, you can email me. I gave the icmfun at gmail.com address. And then I have a form letter with some anxiety tips. I mean, they're nothing new, but I just send it out. Things people can read and look at and little meditations and sleep things and, you know, whatever. Things to listen to, you know, great minds of our time talking about how to kind of keep our thoughts in check. You know what I mean? So I told people they could email me about their anxiety. So I'm going to read those to you in a minute. But before I do, so I I left the house once last week. I went on a walk. And honestly, again, because of my neuroses, I'm too... See, the thing is I live in a condo. So there's probably a couple hundred people that live in this like ginormous thing I live in, which is like an assisted living. Like there's a gym and there's a pool and there's a hot tub and there's a thing and this gorgeous courtyards. I mean, it it literally is like I'm in a retirement home. And so we still have our doorman at the front desk and there's people just sitting in the lobby on their cell phones, yapping away. I'm like, you're not even six feet from the man and you're opening your mouth. I mean, again, these people, I don't feel sick. Doesn't matter. It's just, it's just the right thing to do is to just behave differently now. You know, I just heard a sound that sounded like a door opened in here. And I live by myself. Oh, the noise was. I don't like it. I don't like it. Oof. I'm scared. I'm scared. At least it's still daytime. Nothing bad happens in the daytime. <laughs> like 9-11. Oh, God. Okay. So. Oh, I heard it again. It was a thing. All right. Um. I took a walk. So. I don't even like passing through my lobby. So I don't take the elevator anymore. I put on my medical gloves, my mask. It's not a COVID-19 mask, but it's just a mask, which I feel is smart to wear because it does block out cold and flu. And I certainly don't want to catch the cold or flu right now because I'll get confused and think it's Corona and blah, blah, blah. And it just gives a look like, hey, I'm recognizing that things are different right now. So I take the back stairs and then I walk through the lobby as fast as I can with my mask and I use my gloved hand to open the door and then I walk around my neighborhood. But there's a lot of people close to each other. Not everyone's totally social distancing. Couples walking together, that's fine. I guess they're quarantining together. People walking their babies in a stroller, that's fine. But when they would see me, I'm the only one with a mask, people like a cartoon, like you know, like just turning on their heel, 
running. And I loved that. I was like, yeah, you should, that's good. You now, now do that, but with everyone else who doesn't have a mask, because we need to treat everyone. I mean, it's sort of like being a woman, right? Every guy we see on the street, we're like, well, he could potentially, uh, murder and rape me right now. So I'll cross the street. And I always feel bad when it's a man of color coming towards me and I cross the street and I want to go, it's not because you're black, it's because you're a man. I do this to white guys too. And so I feel like men, if you had more experience dodging people on the street, you'd be better at social distancing. Men just have a different sense. I mean, women are doing it too. Everyone is way too close, too close. But um, because I live in the neighborhood of the Brady Bunch house, I walked by the house. I took a picture of myself outside of it social distancing outside the Brady's house. I have this weird feeling. Anyone here, go with me. Comment, if you will, on this. Um, Go to the uh, Instagram page. It's at Jen Kirkman Podcast on Instagram. If you join the Patreon, you can make a comment there. Email me, iseemfun at gmail.com. But I have this weird feeling that Mike and Carol Brady would be Trump supporters. Or even if they weren't Trump supporters, they'd be those people that even if they didn't vote for him, like maybe they just didn't vote at all, or they would just not be hyper aware of the news. And so they would kind of believe whatever's in the air. And they'd believe like the last thing they heard about it, like February 28th, even though it's a month later. And they'd be like, it's not that dangerous. We don't need to... We don't need to socially quarantine. Like, I just have this weird feeling that they wouldn't think it was real. So, I don't know. That's just my horrible, just looking back at the Brady Bunch, like, I have to be honest with myself. But somebody emailed me and said, because they saw that picture, and they said, which Brady character do you most identify with? And my mind was blown. I have never thought about that in my life. I've thought about what golden girl I am, you know, but never what Brady Buncher I am. And so I'm going to talk it through right now. Um, I think, <clears throat> well, I'm definitely Cindy in a, in a lot of ways because I'm the youngest of three girls in my family. And I had a lisp and very, was very adorable as a kid. And just kind of like, yeah, I, I actually, now that I say it, I'm a Cindy, even though I don't, because she was always so young that by the time the show was in its last year, she still wasn't old enough to really have a self. So, because I'm not a Marsha, I'm not like this, like beautiful blonde brushing her hair. Who's like, wants to be the most popular girl in school and date a football player. That's not my scene. I'm not a Jan, even though I would be so offended if people were like, you are, but just like, I'm not the middle child. I'm not the... I don't know. I think I'm a Cindy. I could be a Bobby, but maybe a Bobby or a Cindy. Like I really relate to like, you know, Bobby's, Bobby would get these obsessions. Like he loved Millicent and when they kissed it, he saw fireworks. It's like, I'm like that. But then he like, he had a little bit of a bad a bad time when he idolized Jesse James and they had to, you know, he's like, he's cool, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like probably like my Bernie Sanders face. And somebody had to come in, you know, this old guy, this real scary old guy had to come in um, because Bobby was like, Jesse James was cool. He never killed anyone. And they, the parents were like, well, what do you do when your kid's obsessed with Jesse James? 
you ask the scariest old man ever to come over. And this 90-year-old guy comes into the house and he says, Bobby, I knew Jesse James. And he said, did, did you really? Oh my God, that's so cool. What was he like? And he goes, Jesse James killed my father. Just <laughs> looked him dead in the eyes. And Bobby was like, oh shit. So I'm like him in that way. Although I relate to Greg because Greg had like the groovy attic and I don't have a groovy attic, of course, but I love that. I, lo- I loved the attic and, and uh, he was Johnny Bravo for a while because he fit the suit and I'm in show business. And if someone gave me a suit and said, wear it, you're going to be famous. I'd probably do that. I don't relate to Peter. I don't even remember anything about Peter. I'm probably, see, I'm probably all the people I don't relate to. I'm probably just like them. You know how that goes. I'm not Mike or Carol. Am I Alice? Sure. Aren't we all a little bit? Aren't we all feeling like an outsider? Like we're part of a thing, but we're like the outsider in that thing that we're part of. And we're like, does anyone ever, does anyone really appreciate me? Because I'm running this shit. But they don't get it, do they? She lives in a laundry room. I we still never saw what her place looked like, I don't think. But um, yeah, so that, that's, that's my answer. I hope that, I hope that made you happy. Um, Oh, this dumb thing I was going to say. So this woman on Twitter was talking about how she and her boyfriend were home and he started exhibiting corona symptoms and she was too, but his was worse. And so they didn't want to gum up the works at the hospitals and the doctor's office was like, yeah, just keep monitoring your symptoms. We can't get you a test. And after a week, his fever was really high and his cough was so bad and he couldn't breathe. She's like, okay, now we go to the ER. So they went. And he was really not doing well and they had to do all this stuff to him. And so she was just saying, here's a firsthand account of how it's being handled. You know, we were told stay home until like he's about to die and then go to the hospital. And this one woman writes underneath, well, that's great, but some people are going to be alone in their house and they don't have anyone there to monitor their symptoms for them. So they're going to have to go to the hospital earlier because they're scared. And the woman was like, okay, that's not what my story is though. So... Yeah. Like everyone takes everything so personally. Like, well, I have to let them know that that's not my experience. And she's like, good thing we had stocked up on toilet paper and paper towels because we really can't go anywhere. And the woman was like, well, not everyone can afford that. And it's like, all right, would you relax with the, stop acting like David Geffen tweet, you know, he owns like every, he's like the music guy that owns every record, Geffen records. So he tweeted a picture from his yacht or Instagram. He's just in a yacht in the middle of an ocean. He's like self-quarantining. Zero uh, self-awareness that that's going to piss people off. And this woman who just wrote, my boyfriend almost died of coronavirus and we have it, but we're quarantined. Thank God we have toilet paper. This other woman's like, well, not everyone can. Same woman before that was like, not everyone, blah, blah. not everyone can afford toilet paper. Okay, yeah, sure. But we can't get to that point in society where every second we're like, and but I have to say this. I know that I'm lucky because not everyone can afford it. We got it. We got it. Get your anxiety under control. You don't stop policing everyone. She's not David Geffen tweeting a picture of a yacht. She's saying I have some toilet paper. Oh my God, I love to hate people on Twitter sometimes. So we'll end with your anxiety emails. I talked to my mom today. I was going to call her. I just called her before I started recording and she didn't pick up. Both my parents are at home, but sometimes they don't hear the phone. I hope everything's okay. I'm sure it is. Um, talked to my mom today. 
Now, she's taking this seriously. They were at the casino last weekend. I almost had a fucking nervous breakdown. But now they're taking it seriously. I don't think my dad is. Because, you know. We know what channel he watches. My mom is taking it seriously. Because she is not on board anymore with this administration. And understands it's ridiculous. So, she's like, your father loves Dr. Oz. I love. I said, Ronnie, you got to listen to Dr. Fauci. He has the information. And he says, no, he doesn't know anything, Joanne. I don't know, Jennifer, your father. And I, I, I tell him he's trying to go down to Dunkin' Donuts. I say, Ronnie, don't, you can't go anywhere. We're elderly. You know, I go, so I said, we have Folgers at home. We have Folgers at home. Oh, by the way, I tweeted that. And all these guys were like, tell your mom to drink Pete's coffee blend. No, nah, my mom's 81. She's drinking Folgers since the 50s. She's fine with it. She's not a coffee connoisseur. That was the charming part of the tweet, you twats. Yeah. Oh, mom. Um, well, actually, let me put on my Weezer glasses and my flannel shirt. Uh, mom, uh, great story. Do you need to drink Pete's coffee? Shut up. She's not drinking Pete's coffee. She didn't even know what that is. When you want her to shop online, a thing she doesn't know how to do, go to the grocery store and root around for some. Oh, my God, you people. Everyone's the worst, aren't they? Aren't we just the best over here and having fun with this land? So she goes, So my parents, my dad's the greenskeeper of a golf course. Now, obviously, he's retired because he's 80, but he's still somehow like part-time employed. They they basically, my parents never bought a house, and they live in a very wealthy suburb that, you know, because my dad's like a working-class job of groundskeeper, the house came for free with the job. So they don't own that home, and so... You know, they were very nervous for years that when he retired, they'd have to buy a home and now homes are too expensive and no matter how much you save, you know, whatever. So they said to my dad can live in that house until he dies and so can my mom and they don't even have to die at the same time. <laughs> Whoever goes, the other one can stay. Um, I won't inherit a house, but that's good. So uh, I'm kidding if they're listening. I mean, I'm not kidding. I won't, but that's fine. So, but anyway, we, I got to live in a beautiful, really, really nice upper middle class suburb my whole life and go to great schools. And but anyway, so they live literally on the golf course. The backyard is the fourth hole. And, you know, but it's a nice big backyard. It's like perfect. It's perfect for coronavirus, but the golf course is closed. You're not allowed to golf. And people are using the golf course as like a public park, which we hated anyway, because it's private and they ruin the grass. And basically, they end up like walking kind of through our backyard and people have their dogs. And my mom's like me, like not a dog person. I went outside and there was a young man and I said, you're not supposed to be here. And he goes, well, I'll keep moving along. I'm just golfing. I said, the golf course is closed. And then your father went out and he gets so mad because he doesn't like to be mean to people. So he'll go out and go, oh, you know, what are you doing? But then the boy was so rude to your father. And he said, who are you? And my And your father said, I live here and I work here. But anyway, well, then this woman comes through. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, we have goats in the backyard now. They're part of the golf course. So I'm looking at the goats. And this woman comes by with her dog. I mean, I said, you're not even six feet away. You're on my property. And she said, oh, I'm just moving along. 
So then I'm taking a walk on the sidewalk and another woman's coming towards me and I have to go almost out into the street because she won't move over and I'm elderly and her dog starts like sniffing at me and I can't get away because I'm going to trip and fall. I'm elderly and oh my God, this woman, I yelled at her. I said, you don't do this with your dog and you're very rude and she didn't say anything. She didn't say sorry about my dog, nothing and I'm like, oh, these dog people, oh, you should have heard us. So then my mom's like, so then I go to the grocery store early in the morning. I get to go during seniors time and there's only 15 people in there. Well, this woman, I mean, she is like high society lady, a fancy coat, full hair and makeup. I'm just there looking like a ding dong because it's early in the morning and I don't care anymore. And this rich high society woman is there. And this is why it makes me so crazy about the Bernie people. Like, that's my fucking family. Like, the Greenskeeper and my mom who's like, these fucking rich people. Like, it makes me so angry how much they've tortured me over the years. And old friends of mine that just fuck you guys. Oh, sorry. I am. Maybe I do have PMS. Um, so she's like, and uh, so... She's talking to me and she's getting so close. And I said, you need to back away. You need to back away and stop talking to me right now. And your father, oh, he's horrified because you know him. He, oh, he has to be nice to everybody. And he can't, he get, you know, he leans in. He gets too close to people. I said, Ronnie, get away from everybody. And then he's going, oh, Joanne, you know, she gets all crazy about standing six feet apart. And I go, were you two yelling at each other in the grocery store? She goes, of course I was yelling because he can't hear anything. I'm like, this is the greatest. Why? Why won't people give my parents a reality show or give me a something, someone something? My God, I can't get enough of it. So Anyway, that's their stories. My mom, vigilante. We have Folges at home. Don't go to Duncan's. I don't know if she's been able to wrangle my dad in. I think he's still going to Duncan's, but oh well. What are you going to do? Um, <clears throat> I just can't believe that stuff's open. Like, I actually don't, I have not been outside. So I don't really understand what's happening. <laughs> there is a, okay. <laughs> There's a restaurant. Okay. I don't know if I, you guys remember this episode, but. It's not a memorable episode, but I think it was probably within in the last year. I talked about this new wine bar in my neighborhood. I mean, it's it's driving distance, like a mile though. Um, and I love it. And I decided, oh, that I'll be a regular there. And then I went in one time and there was already a dude who was a regular. And they were like, oh, hey, Billy. And he knew everyone there. And I was like... God, it's only been open a couple weeks and he's already a regular. And so then I realized, well, I can't really be a regular here because it's not quite the same. Like when I was living in Brooklyn the past two years working on Mrs. Maisel, I was a regular at this restaurant that was literally next door to my apartment. And I would go there, you know, and get food to go or friends wanted to have dinner, we'd meet there um, or to have a glass of wine at the end of the work night. But it's like getting off the subway and walking past this restaurant before I get to my place and sitting and having one glass of wine while I check my email and my Twitter and then go home is so, so New Yorky. But in LA, it's like, I got to get up, get dressed, get in the car. Then I go, oh, I can't have more than one wine because I'm driving. And then it's like, it's just a different thing. It's a different culture. So I ended up not being a regular there in the sense that I don't go there a lot. I don't eat out a lot and got this writing job and I don't want to then go eat again later, which is something in New York I would do for some reason. But so 
when I say I've got this writing job, I don't want to go eat later. When, when you're on a job, you get restaurant food, like you get food delivered every day. And so, you know, I eat a lot at lunch at one o'clock and then I put it in the fridge and then I finish it before I leave work. So I don't need to go then eat a restaurant dinner. So, um, anywho, but in New York, I would eat all day at my job, get on the subway and then go eat again. Go figure. So I guess in the winter, like what else are you going to do? You know? Uh, so this place, I love it. I ended up maybe going there three or four times in the last year. I went once on my birthday. Whenever I meet Sarah Colonna, she lives not in my neighborhood, but we're within like a 10 minute drive. We're both in the Valley. I'll be like, do you want to come to my side this time? Let's go to this place. So the place sends out an email that's like, you know, we're still doing to-go orders during the coronavirus. We're not open. And then we're having a big sale on wine and all the bottles were half off. And I was like, should I have wine in the house? I didn't think of it because I'm so paranoid about my immune system. I wasn't thinking about drinking. And then I was like, yeah, I should stock up in case everything closes. So I put in an order for wine. And when I emailed them, the girl, so the last couple of times I went, it turns out the the bartender lady did know me just from like comedy stuff. And she knew Sarah as well. And so we became regulars in that sense. Like we became uh, people that they knew when we came in. We're like, oh, hey. And they're really nice and whatever. So I emailed, but I didn't know that I was emailing with the woman that works there. And I just said, I think I'd like to place an order. How does it work? And she was like, hey, Jen. I know exactly what kind of wine you like. I'm going to recommend some and we'll put it together in a box and we'll send it over. <laughs> I was like, I'm like such a loser, like getting a wine delivery during this. But it was actually a great way to support a local business. And now I have a little stash of wine um, if we ever run out and, uh, you know, the important things. But I always feel weird about that because, again, I don't like that like drinking persona. Like, I need my wine. We're, you know, like everyone online is just like, got my zoom drink like I did go to a zoom party and had some wine last week but you know how it is I just don't like to be like I hate that whole like comedy about drinking so it makes me crazy so anyway um but they delivered it and uh because they knew me they were really cool about it I was like I'm a I'm social distancing I don't even want to answer the door so can you just leave it outside the door and I feel bad and I tipped them obviously I don't know. See, I'm always so paranoid. People listening going, I'm clean. So um, that's not a great story, but I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm, I'm well taken care of. And I ended up being regular at that restaurant without having to frequent it that often. There you go. Must be nice. Must be nice. So let's read y'all's emails. Um, I'm just going to read without comment. I wrote back to every single person and gave them their anxiety tips. Again, it's sort of more of a form letter at this point because I got hundreds of emails. So I'm just reading a few, but I think that you guys might, it might make you feel better to just hear your fellow man and woman out there. Hi, Jen. I always read your emails as they are the right amount of not too many and enough. Oh, I think she means my newsletter. I love your stand-up specials. Greetings from Baltimore. The anxiety is like a gyroscope rotating in my head and I have been on medicine in therapy for anxiety since 2000. Hope you're doing as well as you can. 
Um, ultimately, I'm glad I got to see my parents and I've been in except weird solo walks since I got home, which is almost two weeks now. My husband is teleworking. We have no kids. Our cat is doing great though. I'm an unpaid creative. All things considered, we are very good today. I cannot complain. I wept when I saw the man who does maintenance for our apartment complex because he works so hard and I just feel sad for him and for people in his situation. I also can't remember his name, but I taught yoga for 10 years until 2016 broke me and I could never remember anyone's name. I called my acquaintance friend, Chris, Greg for two years. True story. It's totally fine if you didn't read all of that. Thank you for being a light in the world. Well, that's nice. With love, I won't say her name. Jen, please help me with anxiety. I work from home always. Yeah, I'm one of those over-enthusiastic Apple tech support chat people. I'm not enthusiastic in any way, but it's easy to fake via chat. I love Apple tech support. Thanks, guys. Anyway, I'm sad to not be able to leave what feels like my office at the end of the day like I usually would for a beer or coffee or dinner around people. I'm single. I live alone with two cats, and it's just us all the time. I'm thankful to still be working and getting paid in these hard times, but man, it's starting to take a toll on me and it's only day 11. I'm also drinking more wine than I'd like to, but it's the only thing that numbs it all, which is beginning to seem like a problem. My anxiety has always been an issue and I'm an overthinker. I ordered CBD oil, but it doesn't seem to be helping me at all. Um, anyway, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Next one. Don't know if you're actually responding to this. But I have anxiety. I had symptoms of corona this past week, and that was very anxiety-inducing, but I'm feeling better now. Hope you're hanging in there. Uh, Someone else. Jen, thanks for the email updates and your unfiltered takes on life. You are one of my lifelines. I just signed up to support you on Patreon. Can't wait to see you again when you make it back to Minneapolis. Me too. I had such a great time in Minneapolis last year. Really, really did. Um, they, Minneapolis was not on the docket for 2020 just because I'd just been there so many times recently. Um, need to spread it out, come back with some new material, but I mean, here's hoping for 2021. Dear Jen, thank you for your email. It's nice to hear how you're going in these weird COVID times. I think you can and should take a walk in your gloves and mask. I'm trying to keep moving too and get some sunshine each day to keep calm and carry on working from home. Hello, Jen. I love what you say, blah, 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 and your mask is awesome. I also have a few different kinds of masks, which I wear when I step out for a quick 15 minutes to get food or groceries. We saw you in Toronto in 2016, and it was lovely to see you and also meet you as you signed a copy of your book for us, which sits on my bookshelf as a keepsake. My girlfriend and soulmate was a massive fan of yours, and we saw you together, and she sadly passed away from cancer about six months after we met at your show. Um... Again, I've emailed everybody back and I expressed my condolences so that in case you're not like, why is Jen not reacting to that? Thank you for your laughter and energy, which helped her. I actually, this email was more personal and not about anxiety, so I'm sorry. Oh, people are, such good people have such terrible things happen. That makes me so angry. First of all, hi, Jen. Thanks for laughter. Can you send me some stuff about anxiety? Maintaining my sense of humor isn't easy. Yeah, I already sent them. Okay, hi, Jen. I've been receiving your newsletter, and this time I actually read it. In my opinion, if we lose our humor, we lose our humanity, and that would be dangerous to say the least. Humor is one of the great remedies of life itself, from heartache to grief, depression and stress to actual physical pain. Laughter provides relief. 
And since it is your job to make us laugh, I just wanted to say thank you. He wrote, yes, we laugh over here. Oh, he's from Germany. <laughs> I'm German. I get it. Only one quarter, though. Never been to Germany. And on, honestly, it's, a pre it's like a prejudiced reason. It's like I don't think the audiences would be good there. And I had an opportunity to go to Germany when I did my little European run this year. It was supposed to be Sweden, Germany, Oslo, Copenhagen, and Amsterdam. But I was like, I don't feel like running around all that much. I actually just want to go on a vacation in one place. And I was like, I've already done Copenhagen or really close to it. I've done Sweden. I did Lund, which is close to Copenhagen. And in Sweden, I mean, no one from Stockholm was going to go to Lund to see me. But so I could have done Stockholm, but I didn't. I've been to Stockholm, but anyway. And I was like, Germany, ugh. I've heard from comedians. They're like, the people don't laugh. And then once I got home, everyone was like, no, Germany's great. They totally laughed there. That was, that was then. This is now. Like, All right. Anyway. Um, he's just saying, I sometimes think that Americans are not really aware that the rest of the world is watching closely. I think depends on what Americans you're talking about, but half of us are. If the current situation has taught us anything, it's this. We are all in this together. Oh, by the way, some Americans don't care that the world is watching because they've been convinced that only America matters. So there you go. Um, we are all in this together. We learn from one another, support each other, and we do work together in this crisis. If anything, it lends perspective. We finally now know what's really important, the economy. Just kidding. My point is you're, you're part of this group of essential people, maybe not at the top level, like nurses, doctors, scientists, garbage men and women, but everyone needs nourishment right now, and that's what you can provide. Well, that's really sweet. I I'm trying. Um, okay. I got set up, this is another person, I got set up working from home this week and it's glorious. I can get chores done while taking breaks. It feels so efficient and productive. Although I love my teammates as people, working in close quarters with them each day was making me crazy even before the COVID-19 hit. One person always drinks soda and burps all damn day. Another one stomps his feet to the beat of his own inner drum. Another shout talks on phone calls and another grunts and sighs every 30 seconds. I have noise-canceling headphones, but can't wear them all the time as I have to take and make calls. This unique symphony of bodily noises was getting to me lately, so I hope my job will make working from home a permanent option after this is over. I'm going back. I'm going to go back and be soothed by the sound of my dishwasher now. Thank you for all you do and take care. I know it's the working from home part, the not having to commute and being like, oh, I'm on like a 15 minute break. I will wash the floor. It's like that would have been a thing you had to do after work. It's so great. Um, but it, it, it sucks that we don't get to then leave the house and go do something for fun. Jen, just want to say thank you. Speaking for all the single women out there, me, she says, alone in their apartment trying to keep good spirits and some sense of a social life during this time. I saw you in San Francisco last year at Cobbs, and I've been a big fan of your stand-up since. My sister has two kids now, six years old and almost two, and she treats me as though my life is completely useless and that she is a saint that is saving the human race. Oh, well. Anyways, it's fun to hear others with similar perspectives on children and that it's okay to not want kids. Yep. I'm so glad I don't have them right now because I am not a good teacher <laughs> or event planner for children. And I'd probably be washing their hands with bleach. <laughs> what? I'm calling child services. Hey, Jen. Um, 
I read your newsletter, blah, blah, blah. I'm an introverted extrovert and going stir crazy with the permission I currently have to be locked up inside and clear my DVR for a change or listen to one of my son's three stories he likes to tell, knowing full well how it ends because I was there when it happened. I work on a TV show in Chicago and we just got the news yesterday that we probably won't be coming back until August if we're lucky and even then it's all up in the air. <sighs> what show is still in production during all this madness that you're working on? Stay safe. Well, every show I've been writing on is not filming right now. They're not in production like people are acting and everyone's on set. It's just the the scripts are getting written. The, the last show I was on on Netflix, the show I'm on now, it's just scripts are getting written. Everything is getting ready. Um, and I don't know when, when any of these shows will shoot. Obviously, that's that part of production isn't happening. Um, I'm 25. I've been listening to the podcast since I was a teenager. Your books, everything's helped me get through several bouts of depression. And in fact, probably saved my life on at least one occasion. Lately, I've been trying to escape all of the coronavirus talk, but I work in a pharmacy. So it's an ever-present topic on a daily basis for me. And it's been driving my anxiety through the roof. On top of that, a lot of customers have been either ignoring the social distancing protocol or complaining about only receiving a month's worth of medication at a time. Backstory, I'm in Canada and it has been made provincial law in my province, Halifax, Nova Scotia, that pharmacies are only allowed to dispense a month of medications at a time because people were stockpiling and it was about to cause massive drug shortages in Atlanta, Canada. I've been screamed at for sending all the face masks to China because I, apparently I bought them all on a whim and sent them overseas. I've had pill bottles whipped at me because there were charges on the medication. I've been accused by customers of purposely putting them at risk by not giving them more than a month's worth of medication. Again, that is the law here. It's really been getting to me. I guess I have two points for this email. Thanks for your work, blah, blah. Two, to give a reminder to anyone listening, please be kind to healthcare workers. We are all under enormous pressure right now, working in dangerous conditions around potentially compromised people all day. We want to help as much as we can. Thank you. Listen, you assholes. You all have anxiety. You need your pills. You need your this. You need your that. Scream at the sky. Yell at God. Bang your fists. Stomp around like a toddler. Do not take this out on other people. Do fucking not. Do not lose your minds and your sense of humanity. God damn it. I hate awful people. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of your shit. Terrible people. I'm really tired of it. Well, I've look, I've got, you have no idea how many more pages of anxiety emails. I'll read them out over the course of the next few weeks. Please keep sending them to me. I think people do love to hear that we're all in the same boat. Hopefully we're not on a boat, except for David Geffen. Hopefully no one's on a cruise ship right now. And uh, be nice to yourselves. Be nice to others. Whew, until next week, have fun.